Hello everyone, this is Dr. Stephanie D. Barnes, and you know what time it is. It is almost time for Conversations from the C-Suite, and you know how we do. We want to take a few minutes to ask you to share this out because I'm going to have a conversation, and I don't want to be talking to myself because tonight it is just me. So I'm going to be having a conversation with you about what it really means to be a CEO. So, you know, we want to invoke the power of three. Make sure that you share this out to at least three groups and invite at least three people because we want to have powerful conversations and you got to have people around to do that. So I'm going to take a few minutes myself and invoke the power of three. So you know how we do get your favorite beverage hang tight and invite we'll be starting the conversation shortly All right, so it is time, y'all. It is time to have conversations from the C-Suite. I would love to welcome you to Conversations from the C-Suite. Of course, I am your host, Dr. Stephanie D. Barnes, CEO of C-Suite Women's Network, where I help women and a few good men to be the CEOs of their lives so they can be better CEOs of their businesses. And you know, here in the C-suite, we believe that every woman deserves a seat at the table. She needs to be the CEO of her life. She needs to be able to not only create a seat for herself, but create a seat for others because there is power when women gather. The C-suite, the conversations from the C-suite is a power-packed hour of great conversations, a great platform for women to share their business and career experiences because we know that life doesn't end when we leave the office. It's all about being the CEO of your life. We want you to elevate your mindset and compel you and others to take action because CEOs don't just wait for great things to happen, they make great things happen. And of course, the C-suite in any company, that's where the decisions are made. And every one of us has a C-suite in our lives where we are making the decisions to create the life we desire and deserve. So your C-suite is the pinnacle of your achievements. It's where you are the CEO. It's where you are the chief executive officer, meaning you are the person who is making the decisions 
that are going to give you the revenue, the love, the life, the career, whatever it is that you desire, it is born in your choices. Because a CEO, you know, comes up with a plan, develops a strategy, inspires and works with others to bring that strategy to execution. It's all about getting things done. Now, you may be in different places in your rise to the C-suite. You may be indeed a CEO on the rise, meaning you know about this C-suite thing. You're thinking about what it is you want to do, but you need that support, that action, just that gentle push to get you going. You are a CEO on the rise. You may be a new business owner or have begun the ascent to your C-suite but you are just trying to figure out how to keep it all together and to keep progressing and keep moving forward. You are a CEO on the move. And you may be indeed the CEO in a company, the CEO of your business, or you may have reached that status of being the CEO of your life, but you want to take it to the next level because just like any athlete, any athlete that is, is, at the highest level of their athleticism, you know, they are bringing in the gold medals. They're winning the championships. If they want to become and keep their championships, they have to keep pushing and keep taking themselves to the next level because the C-suite is dynamic, meaning it's not static. Once you reach there, it's all about continuing to take it to the next level so that your C-suite never becomes the mailroom. And so, you know, this conversations from the C-suite is the girlfriend's guide to being a CEO. It's where women and a few good men gather to have powerful conversations about real things that matter to women who really want to make a difference in their lives and others. And, you know, it's more than just having conversations because here we want you to have and make those CEO moves. So in the C-suite, we want you to feel something, be inspired. We want you to do something. We want you to learn something. And then most importantly, we want you to do something because it is no mistake that the middle word in CEO stands for executive, execution, getting things done. So we're going to talk about how to make those CEO moves. And you make a CEO move by creating your circles of influence, educating and empowering yourself to elevate you to the next level, and then operationalizing what you learned so that you can optimize your outcome. So whether you are the CEO of a business or report to a CEO, you are always the CEO of your life. So we're going to talk about some strategies that help you to capitalize your most powerful asset, the power of choice. Your choices are the source for the extraordinary outcomes that you desire in your career, your business, your life, and beyond. So are you ready? I hope so. I hope that you are ready to enter the C-suite to make those CEO moves and to have this great conversation. So tonight's going to be a little different. This is, well, tonight is just going to be just me because I wanted to have an intimate conversation with you. In the past, we've had guests and we're going to have some more guests, but tonight it's just me and you because I really wanted to take some time to talk about what it means to be the CEO of your life because you hear that word all the time right i'm a ceo or you see it in the company's titles you see it on somebody's business card but i really want to have a conversation about what it really means to be the ceo of your life because that's not just a trite expression it's not just something to wear on your t-shirt or put it on a mug it is a way of life so i'm excited to have this conversation with you so, like I said, you know, a CEO by any other name may not really be a CEO because we're not interested in just putting the title behind our names. We want to make sure that we can really commit to being a CEO, really know what that means, and really commit to being the CEO of our lives. 
We want to transcend the title of being a CEO to actually making those CEO moves. So I'm glad to have this intimate conversation with you tonight. So I want to begin by really introducing this concept of being the CEO of your life. Because as you know, that is my mission. I am committed to helping women and a few good men to be the CEOs of their lives. So where did all of this get started? Well, it got started because I wanted to be a CEO. It was many years ago and I was not where I wanted to be in my life. I was not where I wanted to be in my business or my career. And I thought that the only way that I could achieve the successes that I wanted in my life was to become, to literally become a CEO. Because one of the things that I noticed is that, you know, when the CEO of my company, which is who I reported to, when he requested something to be done, it got done. If his name was behind it, people listened. He had a certain influence. And at the time, I truly believed that he had this influence because he had the title. But the truth is, being a CEO is more than just the title. But I had to learn this kind of the hard way. And so I'm sharing my journey and the journey that I have taken with clients and colleagues along the years to really understand what it truly means to be the CEO of your life. And I always got started, like I said, years ago when I wanted to be a CEO. And I remember I called up my good friend and mentor, Karen Sock. She is an awesome CEO in her own right. And she was a very influential leader on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, which is where I lived at the time. And I called her up and I said, I want to be a CEO. That was literally the conversation. Hey, I want to be a CEO. And I could hear the pause in her voice like, okay. CEO of what? <laughs> and I was, you know, and, and she then she asked me, okay, well, do you want to be a CEO in a nonprofit space, for-profit space? What? And I was like, I don't care. I just want to be a CEO. Because again, I was fixated on the title. And a lot of times when we are not getting the respect we deserve, the res we're not getting the recognition that we deserve. We're not getting the literal promotions that we deserve we may become fixated on the wrong reasons as to why that is so. And, you know, being the CEO of your life is born out of this desire to truly be in control of your life. And so, you know, again, at that time, though, I thought, well, in order for people to listen to me, in order for people to respect what I have to say, I need to have this title. I need to have it on the business card. And... You know, I, I went on this quest of trying to get the title, the position, the recognition as a result of that. And I got Karen to add to, she gave me a recommendation for a position to apply for. And I got my little resume out, did my little cover letter, and I just knew I was about to be a CEO, right? And I, you know, sent the thing off to the search committee. And just waited, waited on the call because I had the credentials. I had what I thought was experience. I had what I thought everything that was needed to be a CEO. Well, long story short, I didn't get the position. And I was trying to figure out, you know, uh, what's up? You know, why? And I did ask it genuinely for the head of the search committee to give me some feedback. And he gave me some pointers. Truth was, I didn't have a bit of experience for that position. And, you know, there were truly more qualified candidates that had the, the literal skills that were needed for that particular position. But I'm glad that I got rejected because my rejection sent me on a path that really led me to truly being the CEO of my life. And that's something I just want to take a quick moment and just talk about rejection and not getting a promotion and, and demotions that we may get in our lives. One of my favorite illustrations of this is none other than Oprah Winfrey. One of the things that I love about Oprah Winfrey's ascent to being not only the CEO of her life, the CEO of her company, the CEO of her, of her uh, studio, all of the great things that she did or has done and continues to do is it all came about because she was demoted. She was a news anchor 
for a television station in Chicago. And she was putting her forth her best effort, but it wasn't enough for the powers that be. And they didn't want to let her out of her contract. So they demoted her to being a talk show host for a local show. So, you know, when you think of Oprah Winfrey and how she got her start, how did she get her start as a talk show host? And so what ended up being or what was initially a demotion ended up being the elevation to the rest of her life. And so if you are not getting the promotions that you want or you have indeed gotten a demotion, you've gotten fired, you've been laid off, you've been downsized. While it may not initially seem to be this perfect opportunity to create this extraordinary outcome, it is. I can tell you there are like 50 million examples in my own life <laughs> where what initially was a rejection, a demotion, ended up being an elevation. So when I didn't get this position, luckily I had this little fire in me that said, well, you know, they didn't choose me, but maybe the next time a opportunity comes up, it will, you know, they will choose me. So I asked for the feedback and that's something that's really, really important. When you get over, if you face a rejection, a demotion, you know, something that's otherwise not the way you intended it, after you get through the emotions, because I cried about it, I've said a few choice words, you know, I was upset. I mean, naturally, right? But once I got over that, once you get over that, then you begin to think, okay, how can I turn this demotion, this rejection into an elevation? Because I truly believe that what is bad for us is good for us. What is good for us can be better for us. I'm going to say that again. That's kind of a tweetable. What is bad for us is good for us. And what is good for us can be better for us. But it all boils down to the choices you make. So if you, if you allow yourself to focus on the bad, then it won't go anywhere. And it may even go downhill, right? And if you just are satisfied with good, then eventually what is good will become mediocre and you'll get passed up in other ways. So as the CEO of your life, it begins with the recognition that in every situation, there's always an elevation. In every situation, there is always an elevation. You know, I, I, I can read y'all my whole life story and give you give you examples of that. And I'm sure if you really, really think about things that have happened in your life, there were opportunities and there are opportunities to, again, to make what is bad into something good and make something good into something better. So, you know, when I got rejected and didn't get selected for that position, I said, well, I still want to be a CEO. I still need to get that title behind my name. And so I started researching, what do CEOs do? And somewhere I found some research that said the, um, that most CEOs read four to five books per month. Well, I'm like, oh, I got that. I love reading. And I'm in my office now and I've got like bookshelves upon bookshelves of books. I love me some reading, right? But I started reading these books and there was a list out that um, I think I began with this list that said, you know, the top 20 books that every CEO must read. And so I started with books off of that list. And that showed me this. You know, when I began to read the books, when I began to read what made great CEOs great CEOs, I realized it had nothing to do with the position or the authority or the title. It all had to do with their influence. Influence. And that's why, you know, my mission truly is to help women in particular. I don't have anything against men. I do work with men. I do have men clients. But my passion is around helping women to be the CEOs of their lives because some of the issues that I faced at that time were because I was a woman, just because, you know, I worked in a male dominated environment and the statistics back me up. I'm not making this up. This isn't a sad violin story. This is kind of how women in leadership are presently represented 
in the corporate space because I was in in the corporate space at that time. And we only have what one or two, I think maybe two or three C women CEOs of like the Fortune 500 companies. And just recently, the woman CEO of Pepsi PepsiCo has announced her retirement and she's going to be replaced by men. So this continues to be a challenge in women's representation at the highest levels in the C-suite in, in corporations. But so that's why, you know, I chose to focus on women because one, I understood their plight. And two, I felt that that was a place that I could truly make a difference. And so in the course of, you know, doing all this research, I eventually, uh, you know, I began, it made me more aware. And that's one thing as a CEO, if you truly want to be a CEO of your life, you must read. And if you don't like reading, you need to get the books on audio because, and I'm going to get into this further. I'm kind of starting out with this little story, but it's lessons all in the story. So y'all just stick with me. But if you truly want to be the CEO of your life, you've got to expand your mind. You've got to expand your area of knowledge because if all you see is this, then that's all you get. But when you read, when you read books about, read biographies about great leaders, great influencers who have done the things you want to do, male or female, most of the, most of the books that I read about were about men because, well, that's the demographic that is more widely represented in the leadership space. There are great women leaders. There are great leaders of color. but for the most part, if you want to learn about leadership in America right now, it's the voice of white males. OK, that is what it is. So I've learned a lot and I worked in environments where those were mostly my supervisors. So the point there is learn. You can learn from any and everybody. Don't limit yourself to thinking that you can only learn from people who look like you, from other women. You know, you learn from wherever. And I believe you can learn from people who you think don't know, don't know, do this squat. It's all about your awareness. So let me get back to the store so I don't get, get way off because I will get way off on a tangent because I'm passionate about this. I love this. OK. All right. So I'm, I'm going to contain myself. But anyway, <laughs> I started to read these books and began to learn that. If I truly wanted to have the control over my life, because that's really what I wanted, I felt controlled. You know, I felt like I was not in the position to make decisions about my life. And what I learned was that, you know, the reason that CEOs are effective and the reason that they're able to do the things they're able to do in their companies and in their industries and beyond is because of the influence that they have. And influence comes about by making CEO moves. OK, so at the beginning and at the beginning of every conversations from the C-suite episode, I talk about making the CEO moves. I just want to break that down for a little bit for you, because that's not just random. I'm not trying to have a catchphrase, although I want you to make sure you're making those CEO moves. So that is something that, you know, if you truly if this is resonating with you, tweet it out, put it in the, in the comments. I make CEO moves. I make CEO moves. And when you truly commit to making the CEO moves, you will move your life into the spaces and places that you desire to go. So I'm going to break that down and talk about what the what it truly means to make the CEO moves. So CEO moves, of course, is an acronym. And I break that down at the beginning of every conversation from the C-suite. And the first or the C in CEO moves is about creating circles of influence. Your rise to the C-suite, your expansion into your C-suite, your elevation of your C-suite is directly proportional to your circle of influence, your environment. Who, what is in your head? You know, what is influencing you? Because remember, a CEO is an influencer, right? So in order to influence others, you've got to have influence from somewhere, right? And it's very important as a CEO of your life to truly be deliberate, deliberate about the circle of influence. Who is influencing you? 
what does your environment look like? And one of the things that if you really want to be in the C-suite, you've got to remember this. Not everybody gets in the C-suite. The C-suite is at the highest top of the floor or the most exclusive part of the building for a reason. Everybody can't be there. Okay. Everybody doesn't have the mindset. There is a reason. And I want you to stick with me because this is not about classism or anybody's better than anybody. It's just recognizing that there are certain conversations. The conversation in the C-suite is a lot different than the conversation in the mailroom. And I want you to really understand that. And again, it's not that the people in the C-suite are any better then the people in the mailroom, it's just a different conversation. It's a different area of influence. And I want you to just think about it. If the mailroom clerk comes, clerk comes up to you and says, hey, I need you to do X, Y, and Z, you'll be like, okay, why? All right. Because their influence is different than if the CEO comes up to you and says, I want you to do X, Y, and Z. All right. I see that. I make CEO moves. Yes. So, it's all about your influence. And the thing is, you can't achieve C-suite aspirations with a mailroom mindset. Mm, yes, I said that. That's a hashtag. That's a tweetable moment there. You cannot achieve C-suite aspirations with a mailroom mindset. So creating those circle that a circle of influence is extremely important. You're going to have to change the relationships you have. And it's, this is not about disassociating yourself with some people. Oh, there are some folks you need to chuck the news. Some of them you need to chuck half of it. But we're going we're gonna to keep it, keep it focused. But my point is you must be deliberate about your circle of influence. And I believe and I have found in my career, in all of its different stages, my ascent to my personal C-suite, and as I continue to expand my C-suite, when I work with clients, it all boils down to their circle of influence. And there are six people, six kind of people that you need in your circle of influence. The first is you need a cheerleader. OK, a cheerleader is someone who is going to encourage you. They are going to be the person who keeps you motivated and inspired. They help you to feel something. All right. Now, remember, when you're having in the C-suite, want you to feel something, learn something, do something. So you can't just have a whole bunch of cheerleaders. Rah, 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 rah. At some point, you've got to move beyond feeling something to doing something else. All right. So but you need to have that cheerleader. The second type of person that you need to have is a counselor, a counselor. A counselor is someone like the word says who counsels you. You go to them for advice. They either have done what it is that you want to do or they know about it or they have a different area of expertise that you will benefit from. A counselor. You always need a counselor. And here's something that I want you to remember. CEOs, they still have counselors. They still have advisors. They're not making all the decisions by themselves. They have a circle of influence. Real CEOs, like in real companies. OK, so same thing applies to you. And if you have your own business in your company. The third type of person that you need is a coach, a coach. Now, here's the difference between a counselor, a cheerleader and a coach. Cheerleader is going to help you feel something, feel real good about yourself. Right. Counselor is going to help you to learn something. They're going to teach you something new. A coach is someone who is going to hold you accountable to your vision. OK, they hold you accountable to your vision. Now, they don't give you the vision. It has to be yours. But they are going to make sure that you do something. They're not going to do it for you. They're going to hold you accountable to your vision. A coach is sometimes someone that you pay. You may literally pay a coach or it may be a mentor who has risen above the level of being a counselor. Because sometimes we confuse a mentor with a coach. A mentor is really a counselor. They're giving you advice. But they're not, they are not necessarily tied to your outcomes. A coach is invested in your outcomes, in, meaning that that's their sole role. They don't care how you feel. They do. They do. They are going to teach you something. Well, let me back up. A coach cares about how you feel, but then they are willing to hurt your feelings to get you to move into where you need to be. Because they're going to tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear. And you need a coach in your life. You need somebody who's going to tell you all about yourself. And then help yourself to get focused on what it is you need to do. So that's the third person is a coach. 
The fourth person that you need is a connector. A connector literally connects you, connects you to people, connects you to opportunities. Because you cannot expand your circle of influence if you don't have a connector. Because you've got to have someone who knows somebody who that you don't know that you need to know, right? You need to know somebody who knows about an opportunity that you need that you don't know how to get to. So you've got to create a circle of influence that includes a connector. The fifth type of person that you need in your circle of influence is a coach. I'm mean, excuse me, is a is a champion, a champion. Okay. A champion is someone who is going to advocate for you when you're not in the room. They know you, they know all about you, they know the value you bring. When they get a seat at the table, they're going to make sure that people know you need a seat too. And this is something that is really important to have because there are many times where opportunities are going to arise and you're literally not going to be in the room to say, hey, I'm your girl, I'm your woman, it's me. So you always need to build genuine and authentic relationships where you're going to have champions to say, you know what, you need to call on Stephanie. You need to call on Cynthia or Brenda, right? You know, you need to have your champion who is going to advocate for you when you are not in the room. And the sixth type of person that you need to have in your circle of influence is a creative. And here's what a creative is. They're your business muse. They're your life muse. These are people who inspire creativity in you. I have several muses in my life. And the one that, that I have been working with most recently is Dr. Tamara Pizzoli. She's a publisher. She's an author, a phenom, a great woman. And when we have a conversation, we have a conversation about business issues. I get four or five other ideas because the flow of our conversation is a creative one. So it's really important for you to have all six of these people. Sometimes it's six different people. Sometimes it's people that have one or two of the roles, but you've got to be deliberate about creating your circle of influence. So that's the C and making the CEO moves. All right. So now let's talk about the E. Educate and empower yourself for elevation. I touched on this earlier. Uh, when I talked about how important it is to read. Oh my gosh, y'all, you've got to read. Now, I'm a nerd. I love reading. I could read all day and not talk to people, which is not good for my profession. It ain't good for me socially, but I love to read. But here's what reading did for me. I grew up in a small town, Greenville, Mississippi, and reading exposed me to life outside of Greenville. You know, I learned about different things, different people, different places, and it sparked in me a desire to go to those places and do those things. And I've been all over the world. I've been very fortunate. You know, I've been to India. I presented, you know, at a women's conference there in India, and there I got to meet all kinds of people. I've expanded my circle of influence. I've been to Rome, Italy. You know, I've been to London. You know, I've got 50 million more places that I want to go, but all of this began with reading. Okay. So it's not just literal education. Formal education is great, but that's theory. You got to get some education that's application. Okay. So I have a JD and a PhD. So I'm real smart. I got a lot of letters behind my name, but it does me no good if I don't have the people, the relationships that help me to bring that knowledge to life and to actually apply it. OK, so it's educating and empowering yourselves for for elevation. So this literally means reading. It may mean expanding your formal education, but not always. But it does mean expanding your education in terms of everything you need to know about your industry. You whatever it is that you want to do, read about it. You don't have an excuse. You can go to YouTube. I've listened to books. You can go to Audible and listen to books if you don't want to read. Because Some people just don't like reading. Fine. It's all about synergy. Okay. So if you have a long commute, instead of listening to the radio, put in an audio book. Okay. Listen to podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time. And it's a great way to expand my education. And I get to talk to and listen to people that otherwise I wouldn't get a chance to see. So if you want to go to the next level, 
you can't go to the next level with this level of education and education. I mean that in the broadest of sense, um, you will get to the next level when you expand your education to where it is you want to go. If like if you want to be a literal CEO, you need to read the book that literal CEOs are reading. If you want to be whatever your industry is, whatever your desire is, you need to get the knowledge that they have. YouTube is out there. Google, you can Google anything, right? So you don't have an excuse. You don't even need a library card, right? You don't even need to leave your home. If you have a smartphone, you've got a whole little education piece right there, you know? So take advantage of that. And the most important part, the most important part, remember we talked about feeling something, learning something, doing something. You have got to operationalize what you learn to optimize your outcome. Because I'm a nerd. Like I told you, I can read all day, every day, right? But if I don't uh, do what I'm supposed to, if I don't apply the knowledge, if I don't um, do anything with what I've learned, then all I have done is collected trivia, right? So it doesn't matter because there are a lot of smart people who don't do anything with their degrees. So you can have a PhD and be just as dumb as you were before if you're not doing anything with it. So it's all about operationalizing what you learn because there are a lot of people who have not even completed college, have not even completed high school, but they operationalize what they learn. They learn the things that are important to what it is they want to do and they put it into practice and they are continuously using that to take them to the next level. Because it doesn't matter if you build this great circle of influence and you learn this great thing from great things from the people that you've met in your circle and then you don't do jack with it. So that's why to make a CEO move, move is intentional in that. I didn't just choose it because I thought it was cool. We're going to make CEO moves. No, it's all about action. CEOs, chief executive officer, execute get things done. Okay. I want to use another word, but I'm trying to keep it clean. But anyway, so it's all about operationalizing your, I mean, operationalizing what you learn to optimize your outcome. So I'm just going to recap that right quickly. Making your CEO move means that you create those circles of influence. You make sure you have a cheerleader, counselor, coach, connector, champion, creative. Okay. You want to ed educate and empower yourself for elevation, meaning you have to expand your knowledge and you have to expand your knowledge be beyond what is and learn about what could be, what should be, what is out there in the future. And then finally, you have to operationalize what you learn to optimize your outcome. Because again, if you just do CE, you ain't a CEO. You just a CE. All right. We want to be a CEO, meaning you truly operationalize making. I mean, you truly uh, commit to making those CEO moves. So, again, this is not just the hype. I'm not just saying, hey, I want you to be the CEO of your life because I think it's cute. It truly means making the decisions to create the life you desire and deserve. And so I'm going to switch and shift gears and talk about the system that I've learned both in my life, in my corporate career, in my career as an entrepreneur, the system that I've worked with with uh, my clients. And like I say, I work with women and a few good men. So <laughs> this is not just for women. But as I've explained, I, I focus on women because in the company where I got out, got started, there was a true commitment to seeing more women leaders because I literally looked around the table and it was just me. And I knew that I was not the only qualified woman. I knew that there were other women who were capable of leading. And so I made a personal commitment to ensuring that I could do what I could do. And that's the last thing I want to say about making CEO moves before I switch into the C-suite lifestyle mapping system. Uh, and it's, it's not as complicated as it sounds. Uh, but here's the thing about being a CEO. It ain't about you. 
And that was the biggest mistake I made in this whole quest. Because initially when I wanted to be a CEO, it was all about me so that I could make more money so that I could, people would listen to me. It was me, 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 me. Okay. What I really found out is that being the CEO of my life, being a CEO meant being of service to others. It's all about the value you create for others. So if you end this because you want more, you're not going to get very far. When you build and create those circles of influence, they have to be genuine. Don't use people. This is not about collecting business cards. This is not about getting what you can out of people. It is about creating truly mutually beneficial relationships where you sow value into others and you reap value from the relationship. CEOs, the, the, the CEOs that are successful, they create value. I don't care whether it's money value, whether it is social responsibility value, they are creating a value in the marketplace. And so being the CEO of your life, while it helps you to create the life you desire and deserve, it is done through creating a value to others where, again, it's all about that influence. And influence is built is born out of relationships. So that's why being a CEO is focused on adding value to others. I was having this conversation with a former client the other day. He called asking about advice. He was getting ready to go to a networking event and was just asking some advice about um, how he should approach it. And the what I shared with him was, You've got to learn to be a farmer and not a hunter. A hunter is out to get something from somebody else. They literally, it's all about what can I get from you? Hey, I want to get your business. I want to, I want you to know what I can do for you so you can buy from me or whatever. A hunter is just trying to get the transaction, just trying to get the business. A farmer grows, plants seeds that later grow into the things of mutual value. The thing I shared with him is this. People run from hunters. They welcome farmers. So remember that. I know I'm throwing out a lot of analogies, but CEOs, great CEOs are great farmers because they sow into other people value that then comes back to them. So just remember that being a CEO is a place of service and one of my favorite quotes um, I found this years ago, and it still holds true, by Zig Ziglar, you will get more out of life if you help other people to get what they want out of life. And I kind of messed it up a little bit. It's, it's a little bit off, but y'all get the picture. You will get more out of life if you help enough other people to get what they want out of life. So it's all about creating value. So again, if you want to be the CEO of your life, Think about it from the perspective of the value that you will add to others. When you are the CEO of your life, even if you never own a business and you always report to a CEO, when you are the CEO of your life, you are a better influencer for your family. You are a better influencer for the people you love and you are a greater service to those that you care about. Because when you're truly making the decisions about your life, you are of greater value to them. So sometimes people have to think about it from the perspective of how can I serve the people I love? This is not all about business. The CEO of your life. CEOs of their lives are greater and better CEOs in their businesses because it's all about those relationships. So just remember that. So I want to switch gears now and talk about how all of this comes together and the C-Suite Lifestyle Mapping System. And I'm gonna put this visual up here for you so that you can kind of see what I'm talking about, all right? So here you can see that it's all about this, this um, pyramid, if you will. And this is something that it took me many years to realize what I was doing and how I was doing it and how I was able to achieve the success that I've achieved in my own career and then how I achieve success 
through helping the clients that I've helped. And one of the things that I realized is that in every success that I had, there were some major components that fueled that success. And I distilled that in this, in this, uh, found in this pyramid. And this truly is something that is, I use it in various forms. When I work with clients, when I work with companies, I don't care what company or what situation it is. These are foundational principles that are, that enable you to get to your C-suite. And remember your C-suite is the pinnacle of your career. At the base of it is your belief. So with every client that I work with, we always start out with, where's your mindset? Because if you don't believe that you're going to be a CEO, if you don't believe you're a CEO right now, you will never be a CEO because every thought creates a future. Every thought creates a future. So there are thoughts that I had years ago that have led to me being where I am right now at this very moment. And one of the things that, you know, I'm a coach, right? I have a coach. I still look for coaching because you never outgrow. That's kind of not the word I want to see. I wanted to use, but you never are at a point in your life where you don't need a coach or you don't need coaching. You don't need a counselor. You don't need a cheerleader. Okay. You, I don't care what level that you are, have, have achieved, you still need all of these things. And so I have to constantly recalibrate my mindset. So the thing that I know that, you know, when I work with clients and helping them to launch their businesses, the very first part of what we do is we look at their mindset because if their mindset is jacked up, their business is going to be jacked up. Their business relationships are going to be jacked up. So you have to start with your belief system. This means looking at, you know, understanding, you know, the values that drive you, the 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 mission that you're on. Why is it important? We're going to get to the to the why uh, at the ascension of this or at the sense of the apex of this pyramid. I got to get my terminology right. But, you know, your belief system is so important. So if you don't believe that you can be a CEO, if you don't believe you're the CEO of your life, you will never be it. So it always starts with what is your belief system? And this is that's why your circle of influence is not only the first C in CEO or the first letter in the CEO moves. It is also the most important. Because your belief system is influenced by what you believe, but also about what others around you believe. Because people can talk you out of your C-suite. And I'm going to say this, and this is probably, I, I'm going to do a whole nother series on this later on about vision and how you have to be responsible about the people you share your vision with. Your belief in your vision is sacred and must be protected. And a lot of times we take the show and tell approach to our vision. We wanna show everybody what our vision is and tell them all about it. Everybody ain't equipped to handle your vision because people's receipt of your vision is limited to the, to the expansion of their own. Limited vision people, and this doesn't make them bad, they just got limited vision, all right? You love them, you keep on moving. We'll talk about that a little bit more when we move up to people. OK, as a CEO of your life, you have to take some people you have to learn to show them rather than tell them. Everybody is not equipped to handle your vision, which means when you share it with them, they're going to poo poo it. They're going to tell you all the reasons you shouldn't. They're going to tell you why you're why you shouldn't take that risk, why they're afraid, why you should be afraid. Don't try and tell them, show them. So that's just something I want you to remember in protecting that most valuable asset, which is your belief system, which manifests in the vision that you have for your life. So that's something that's really important. Then let's get into the people. All right. So we talked about your circle of influence, but I want to just take a few minutes to really evaluate the, the kinds of people you have in your life, because your your environment is going to be as good as the people in your life. Relationships are so critically important, so critically important, because sometimes you're sleeping next to the enemy. Sometimes you report to the enemy. Sometimes you've been best friends with the enemy since the third grade. 
And what do I mean by enemy? They're not necessarily bad people. Sometimes they are. But they are the enemy of your vision just because they don't get it. And they don't have to get it. And they don't need to get it. You need to get it. So I want you to really be critical of, not, not critical. The word I want you to use is deliberate, meaning you are making choices because being a CEO of your life is all about making choices in your life. It's the quality of your decisions. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of your decision. Boom. I can tell you every mistake I've made, every success I had boils down to a choice. Okay. And even if the choice was imposed upon me, the circumstance was imposed upon me, I always, you always have a choice as to how you're going to respond to that. So just remember that the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your decision. So you need to be deliberate about the people you have in your life. And I just want to share right quickly the kinds of people you need to be aware of. And then you make decisions about whether you invite them to your table or you chuck the deuce, chuck half of it, whatever floats your boat and tell them to go on somewhere else. You know, you want to make sure that you have and some of these are a little bit repetitive or duplicative of the circle of influence, but not really. So you again, you'd want to have that cheerleader. That cheerleader is going to show up. This is the happy, happy person who is your encourager. You want to, again, you want to have your refiner, you know, the person who is going to tell you what you need to hear and not what you, not just what you want to hear. You want to have the sunshine person. There's sun, sunshine people are the people in your life who you may not be friends with them. You may not know them, but they're just happy and being around them makes you happy. And they're just joyful people. Everybody needs a sunshine people. I, I, I know who my sunshine folks, I know who to call. And I don't care what's going on. I'm always going to get some joy. You want to be conscious about that. Um, then you want to make sure, again, you, you've got those circle things. So I'm not going to repeat all that, but I want to talk about the folks that you don't need. Okay, let's take a little time to talk about that. You want to make sure that you get the, the machetes. The machetes, these are the people who cut down your vision to their comfort level. Okay. Sometimes these are people you love and they, they cut you down, not because they hate you, because they're afraid for you and they want the best for you. And the best is, is this, this box. They have determined in their mind what's best for you is in this box. And if you outside the box, they're like, oh my God, something bad is going to happen. Let me get them back in the box. And you have to learn how to love your machetes um, from afar, or not from afar, but you have to learn how to deal with your machetes so they don't cut you completely down because again a lot of times they do it out of love then you had a people who just downright hating and limitators right these are the vicious nasty people who are hurting remember hurting people hurt others and so these are the people that they don't mean you any good sometimes these are folks you love you know uh these are your loved ones sometimes sometimes you be married to them you be, be in a relationship with them but you need to recognize when people um co constantly hurt you and they don't do it for your good. They do it to hurt you. And it's really important to be cognizant of that. That's one of the best lessons that I have learned, I think, in the past two years is that I've been on this really, really intense self-reflection, self-discovery, rediscovery, period. And I've really learned to be cognizant of people who don't mean me any good. Now, one of the good things about me, for example, is... It's a skill that helps me out as a coach. It hurts me a lot as a person on the personal level because I see the good in everybody. But good, not all good people are good for you. OK, they may be good and they all right, but they're not good for you. And one of the things as the CEO of your life is important for you to be cognizant of that and make decisions on how you're going to deal with them. Sometimes you get them out your life. Sometimes you just deal with them uh, in different ways. Let me take a little sip of water. So <clears throat> as a CEO of your life, it's important for you to make those decisions. Now, he, <coughs> I didn't got hot. Let me get my little fan out. <coughs> so anyway, so I started talking about them haters and it made me hot. <coughs> but anyway, so you want to make sure that you are making those decisions about the people in your life. And here's something that I want you to remember. Hope I don't lose my whole voice. <coughs> As the CEO of your life, you make the decisions about who is at your table. Just like you make decisions about having the table, 
being at the table yourself, you get to make the decisions about who is at your table. And one of the most difficult things to do as a CEO is to fire somebody, right? Whenever you are in a position where you have the hiring and firing capacity, there are a lot of leaders, CEOs, different managers, supervisors who don't have the courage to fire people. And it is not a heartless thing. It is a responsible thing because bad people create a toxicity that just ruins the whole team. And you hurt the good people when you allow bad people to stay at your table. So again, one of the most important decisions that you will make as a CEO of your life is sometimes you got to fire people. So that's all I'm going to say about that. We're going to move on to the next next level, which is systems. And systems just simply means this. You are aware of what goes right and you understand why it goes right and you replicate those right moments. Because a lot of times when we're trying to improve our lives, we will look at what's, what are we doing wrong? Well, if you look at what you're doing wrong, where well, you're going to continue to do the wrong stuff, right? When you focus on what you do right and you build off of that, you create a greater likelihood that you're going to replicate that success in other areas. Everything that you do, whether you realize it or not, is based on a system. When you are successful, what I want you to do to challenge you to do is think about, you know, what's the best, the greatest success that you've had in your life? And you think about what did, what did you do? What did you not do? What did you decide not to do? Who were the people on your team? Who did you work with? Who did you not work with? How did you do it? Really dissect that moment and understand what it is that you did right. And that will be the basis of the system for replicating that success in all different areas. And you adapt it, you expand it, you grow it, continuous improvement. But it's really important for you to understand why you're successful and commit to repeating that rather than thinking about what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? Well, if you if that's the lens that you look at, well, what you focus on is what you feed. What you focus on is what you feed. So if you're focusing on what's not going right, well, you're feeding that and you're going to keep doing what's not right. I can tell you that from personal experience, okay? But when you focus on what you're doing right, you will feed that, you will fuel that, you will replicate that, and you will create those successes on a different level. So that's the next level of, of, of creating those systems. And, you know, when you're in a business that gets to be a lot more complex and involved, but it's all based on understanding why it is you do what you do, how you do it, the tools that you use. And it's 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 a very sophisticated way of not reinventing the wheel. Okay. So that's something that's really important. Then the next level is learning, mastering the art of being mad. Now I'm not talking about getting angry. I'm talking about being motivated and determined motivated and determined because when you decide to become the CEO of your life, you will face obstacles. You will face people who don't like you being a CEO of your life because they liked it better when you were the mailroom receptionist, right? Because they could get away with anything. You know, people don't really, there are a lot of people that are going to be uncomfortable with you being a CEO of your life because it's going to mess up their little life because they got to change some things. They might get fired, right? So, it's really developing these coping mechanisms that allow you to remain motivated and determined. Sometimes this is becoming better at your assertive, your strategic communications, negotiations. It is literally in, investing in opportunities to meditate and pray so that you can reorient your mind on what's important to you and not allow, because anger refocus anger has its purpose but you cannot stay in anger you can't stay mad little mad okay you got to be motivated and determined meaning that it is all connected to the apex which is the why the most important aspect of being the ceo of your life is knowing your why okay why is this important to you why is this a, a something that you should keep pushing forward through when people make you mad, when they make you angry, when they when it gets hard, when you face failure after failure after failure after failure, 
before you get to that next level of success. Every CEO must understand what is the mission? Why do you do what you do? Why is it important? You know, my mission with C-Suite Women's Network is, again, to help women be the, the CEOs of their lives. Why is that important? Because I want women to be able to use their education, their experience, and their influence to create the lives they desire and deserve. Because I truly believe that none of us were meant to be ordinary when we can create an extraordinary life. Boom. I mean, I believe that with every fiber of my being, you know, it shows up in my advocacy. It shows up in my coaching. You know, it is something that I'm committed to. OK, the, you know, and so we all have to know what our why is. I'm not in. I didn't create C-Suite Women's Network just because I want to make money. And I don't get it. Don't get it twisted. Your girl want to make some change. All right. Because I got bills to pay. I got things I need to do. So, yes, the money is important, but that is not why. OK, it's about the value that I know that I create in helping other women to create value that comes back to me, that comes back to my community. It comes back to our economy. So you always have to know your why, because being a CEO of your life is not easy. OK, you're going to face opposition. You're going to face challenges. You will face rejection. You will face a demotion or two. But it's all about being focused on the why and knowing that this has a greater significance than you. OK, so that's the C-suite lifestyle mapping system in a in a nutshell. I could talk about this all night, but we are approaching the, the end of the hour. And if you want a copy of that of that diagram so that you can start thinking about how are you going to get to your C-suite? You can type the word system and I'll put this in the um, I put this up for you. So you just type the word if I can spell it correctly system. And you send it to nine two two three two. I mean, nine two nine. I can't even type nine two nine three two 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 nine six eight. There you go. You type the word system to nine two nine three two two. 2968. And if you type that word system to 929-322-2968, then I will send you a copy of the C-suite mapping system. So you can have that and begin thinking about how are you going to map out your path to your C-suite? Because here's something that I want you to remember. You know, being the CEO of your life doesn't happen just because you want it to. It doesn't happen by chance. It doesn't happen uh, because you're lucky. It happens because you plan for it. You plan for it. CEOs don't have great results in their businesses because they're lucky, because people like them, because they're handsome, because they're beautiful. CEOs have great successes in their business because they plan for it. They develop a strategy. They assemble a team. They leverage their strengths against the strengths of the team. They inspire the team and they bring the strategy to fruition. So if you want to be the CEO of your life, you're not going to get it just sitting around wishing for it. You know, belief is important, but your belief shows up in your actions. Your beliefs show up in your actions. So many times when you procrastinate, it is a it is an outward manifestation of the lack of belief that you have in yourself. That may be hard for you to hear, but that's something you need to understand when you don't achieve your goals because you're putting it off. You're procrastinating. You're you're only taking itty bitty risks because you you're afraid that is an outward manifestation of your lack of belief in your vision. So that's why I say. Learn, feel something, learn something, most importantly, do something. So like I say, we have reached the end of the hour and I, it has been my pleasure to share this with you. I hope that this has been helpful to you because I truly want you to make those CEO moves. I truly believe every woman and, and men too, but again, my focus is on women just simply because that's where my passion is and that's where I have felt that I could have the greatest impact. But again, it's all about making those CEO moves, creating those circles of influence, elevating, educating and empowering yourself to elevation 
and operationalizing your outcomes so that what you learn, you are able to actually put into practice. So again, feel something, get inspired. I hope you all happy, Pappy. You ready to do the thing. You are ready to um, do great, make great CEO moves. But again, even though this is conversations from the C-suite, the conversation is not in the converse. I mean, the power is not in the conversation. It's what you do after the conversation ends. So don't just talk about it. Be about it. So until next time, I just want to thank you so much for joining me here in the C-Suite. I am Dr. Stephanie B. Barnes, CEO of C-Suite Women's Network, where I help women and a few good men to be the CEOs of your lives. And if you are ready to do something to make those CEO moves, you can go over to Discover the CEO in you, discover the CEO in you.com and schedule a strategy session to learn how you can begin your ascension into the C-suite. So remember though, the power is not in the conversation, but in your CEO moves. So don't just talk about it, be about it, but don't wait. Weight broke the scale. Now, now is the best time to do what it is that you know you need to do to become the CEO of your life so that you can enter, elevate, and expand the C-suite of your life. Remember, your life is the product of your choices. So choose to be the CEO of your life. I look forward until the next time when we have conversations in the C-suite.